Welcome to the Story of God podcast, where each episode helps everyday men and women see how they fit into the grand narrative of God's redemptive plan. Here's Ezra and Janelle. Why would God kill someone in the new covenant? That's what we're looking at today, Acts chapter 5. It really seems like an Old Testament thing, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of times people will talk about there's the old covenant God and then the new covenant God, as though there's two completely different gods in the way that they ruled and reigned over the earth. Hmm. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing you answer this question because I want to know now. (laughs) Ananias and Sapphira, it's one of the most complex, challenging passages in the New Testament. So let's look at Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So you brought up a really good question when we started um, chapter 5 here, and that's why would God kill someone in the New Testament, like the New Covenant God? And like my first thought when I was reading this was, um, man, us, we shouldn't pretend to be more generous than we are. But I mean, killing them is quite a big step. So <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you have stories, Joshua 7, Leviticus 10, 2 Chronicles 26, where you have different stories where God will strike people dead. Uh, for their actions and seemingly small actions, but their actions of disrespect, whether it's against the temple, against against God. And you have these moments and then you think, oh, well, that was old covenant stuff. That was something that happened in the past, but that's not, you know, when Uzzah reaches out his hand and he touches the ark and, and he's he's killed, you think, oh, well, that's, that's kind of a... You know, that's kind of bizarre. I don't understand why that happened, but that's something that happened in the past and we don't really worry about that. But now something that like this that happens, 
now that Christ has come, the Holy Spirit has, uh, the Comforter has come, it's really complex and challenging to us. So is God doing this to show them that he is still the God of like truth that he's, that they still need to take him seriously and their relationship seriously, you know, like the deception is that well, a couple of thoughts from N.T. Wright. So I'll lean on his understanding, wise and understanding here, because uh, to be honest, this passage is a little bit complex and challenging um, because it's different than some of the other passages we might you know, think of how God would operate. Um, but N.T. Wright, he says, the early New Testament church was functioning somewhat like the temple itself. And as a result, every blemish was magnified. And so he goes on to say that to name the name of Jesus and to invoke the Holy Spirit is to claim to be the temple of the living God. And so the main gist of, I guess, what he's getting at here, that, and I think he's right, is that, um, well, let's go back in time. It's just a side note. But if you look at the book of Exodus, think of the 10 plagues. What did God do during those 10 plagues? He's systematically tearing mm-hmm. down what the Israelites understood of who uh, the gods of Egypt were. Each of the 10 plagues was against one yeah. of e- the Egyptian gods. I don't have gods. All, all the names of the gods at hand, but yeah, I preached but in that each passage. One, and, yeah. yeah, in each one. <laughs> you know. and, and so you have that. Um, and then, then this passage, though, and then also you have Mount Sinai, and, and you have the emphasis on holiness, right, mm-hmm. where there's different things that are set aside as holy. You, don't, you do this, you don't do this. This is holy, this is unclean, so forth. And... In a real sense here, this is the start of the early Christian church. And so as a result, when this couple comes in and they they lie and mm. they, you know, they commit, they're, and they're saying, hey, we've committed this amount of money and they actually haven't, then that is magnified exponentially. And, and uh, from my best observation is that God is setting an example here for future generations and that his name is to be revered and that you don't just claim the Holy Spirit loosely. And you keep bringing it back to his name and you keep bringing it back to the Holy Spirit. And I think it's interesting in um, verse nine, Peter says, you know, have you done this to test the spirit of the Lord? Because it doesn't strike me when I first read it about being about the name of Jesus or about the Holy Spirit. It's them just lying, you know, and, and trying to look good, you know, like, Oh, we're giving all the money we got for the land where, I mean, they were holding some back, but it's like, oh, they're just trying to look good. But why, why are you bringing it back to the spirit of the Lord and the name of the name of God? Well, the root of sin, right? We think of how many times different things that we do, we kind of dismiss it like white lies. Well, you know, that's just a white lie. They were covering their tracks. Um, You almost can't do business today with a little bit of lying. I was just talking with my brother about that earlier today and just, Mm. you know, how in business so often the assumption is, well, everyone lies a little bit. And actually, I I even told my brother this. I said, you know, when I work with a client and I casually make a statement, well, I don't lie because that's I have to kind of clarify that because Mm -hmm. everyone assumes when you say you don't lie that you're lying. Yeah. Like there's a, I even had a book. someone accuse me of that in yeah. high school. I said, yeah. it was a basketball. Co- I said, Oh, I, I don't lie. And he looked at me and was like, everyone lies. Yeah. Well, there's even a famous book. Everyone lies. Yeah. Right? And, <laughs> and but what, what does lying do about the, like, wouldn't we bring it back to the spirit? The Holy spirit is like, if I say a white lie, 
Well, I, just before this podcast, it's interesting. I was I was listening. To, if you ever Google this, like in YouTube, um, the idea of stolen valor, and you see, uh, you go online, you'll see different Navy SEALs like that, and they'll go and they'll approach someone who is um, <laughs> posing to be a Navy SEAL, right? Mm. And it's the whole idea of that you're stealing someone's valor, that people have mm. given their lives for this. And in a way, what this is what Ananias and Sapphira are doing wow. is is they are. It's stolen valor in, in a sense mm. that they are um, professing that they're uh, they are true Christians. They are true uh, self-sacrificial giving. They are to be models um, in the community when they're actually complete fakes and phonies. And God doesn't like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think we see that in a couple chapters when we get to another guy um, that wants to do the miracles that the uh, the disciples are doing. And it's funny because I think God, Jack, it, it, it shows the same way where it really, God wants us to be who we say we are, especially if we're Christians. We shouldn't just uh, say we have high standards about things and then, you know. Yeah. Well, it's a great reminder for us today that we need to be careful in the way that we uh, respond to people. Not that necessarily God's going to strike us dead, mm-hmm. um, but the, the reality that what we say and how we portray Christ to others. Mm-hmm. What you know, I was just talking with a friend the other day, and he was talking about someone at work who worked with him, and um, just every single day, this guy, you know, he would make references to his days as a pastor, right back in the day, and and how he has a great relationship with God. But on the same hand, he's talking about all these women he habitually sleeps with, you know, mm. different partner each week kind of thing. And, and it's like, those people are the worst kind because yeah. they're, they're, they're leaning on, on the, um, uh, all that Christ has done. Yeah. And they're essentially spitting in the face of all that God has done for them and for others and posing as something that, that they're not. And it just, it, it does not represent him well. So if you're doing that today and you're listening to this, Stop it. <laughs> Don't <laughs> Knock do that. Knock it off. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, represent Christ mm-hmm. well around you because it's, it's such a serious thing. So, yeah. and in doing that, I guess we can close out with these words, put your faith into action. Thank you for listening to the Story of God podcast. For more info on this program or to access other resources that will help you turn Sunday belief into Monday action, please visit themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.